Well, it's good to be back with you. It's, uh, it's good to be back. I'm going to read a scripture for you, and then we'll come back to that towards the end of today's message. But that scripture is taken from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We'll come back to that, but I want to tell you today about sabbatical, and before I tell you what happened on sabbatical, I want to tell you how it came about. In December of 2021, two elders from the personnel committee said, we want to give you a sabbatical, and it's going to be four months, and you have to take it before the end of the year, and that was this year. And at first, I pushed back a little. I said, I don't need a sabbatical. And they go, yes, you do. And so then I uh, started to pray about it. And as I was praying, the Lord said, literally, read Philippians chapter 4. All right, read Philippians chapter 4. And in it, Paul thanks the Philippians for giving him a gift. He says, not that I needed it, but um, I, because I'm amply supplied, but your gift has shown your love and your concern for me, and it will be credited to your account. And so I took the sabbatical as a gift, and they told me it had to be at the end of the, by the end of the year, and I pushed it back as far as I could, because in March, we were told that Nancy's father had a few weeks to a few months to live, and I did not want to be out of town when he passed, so we just tried to, to push that back. Well, the first day of sabbatical, I got results from an MRI on my wrist. Remember, I was in a splint for six months. Well, the MRI said, well, your wrist is healed, now you can rehab it, and so I spent a few days up front rehabbing my wrist, and then it was on to Branson for a spiritual retreat from a book called A Sabbatical Retreat. That was about a five-day retreat, and at the end of that, I had a sabbatical liaison from session. It was Jack Sherman. We were in Branson. They were at their lake house at Table Rock. And since we were close to each other, uh, they invited us over. And it was a beautiful day. They, they just loved on us and served us. And we felt like, okay, sabbatical has begun. After a few days in Wichita, I started towards Yellowstone National Park, and I routed my way through Lebanon, Kansas, which is the geographic center of the United States. And there's a chapel there that I wanted to pray at. There's a chapel there where I wanted to pray at, and I thought, I'm going to pray for the nation at this chapel. So I go into the chapel, and I'm sitting in a pew, I'm starting to pray, and this little girl comes up to me. She walks into the chapel and says, what are you doing? I'm praying. And I start to pray some more. What are you praying about? And I, I said, oh, I'm praying for the nation. And she was like, well, how are you praying for the nation? So it's like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm here to pray, Lord, and this little girl is bugging me. Oh, right about then, her mother walks in and apologizes for her and then tells me 
that she has just adopted these two kids from the foster care system and that it's, it's really been hard for her. And so I listened to her for a while and I said to her, you know, the Lord has just put a verse on my heart for you. Uh, do not grow weary in doing well, for you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And she said, uh, you don't know how much I needed to hear that, and she started to cry. And then I asked, well, can I pray for you? And she said, yes, and so I prayed for her, and then I continued on my way. Now I'm driving towards Wyoming, and a, a rhythm starts to develop. I would listen to two hours of scripture in the morning on my Bible app, and if I came across a passage where it's like, okay, Lord, talk to me some more about this. And I felt like the Lord uh, taught me some things. And then I would do, uh, listen to a, broad, uh, a podcast in Spanish for about an hour, and then I would uh, listen to a book I was reading. I would read the book at night, but I also had the Audible on, on my car, and, and that was kind of the daily driving rhythm. But I finally arrived at Yellowstone National Park, and it was beautiful and the geology is really interesting. And you know, I'm a former geologist and I'm just worshiping the Lord, did several hikes in the park and I'm feeling filled up. While I'm in Yellowstone, there's this uh, young man who has done some work for me. I met him in a shooting class and uh, he was working at a dude ranch nearby. And I uh, said, I'm in town, uh, do you want to go out to dinner? And so we had dinner and he brought his girlfriend. And um, I asked, you know, how's it going? And he told me about life on the trail and how uh, a friend of his at the ranch had just recently committed suicide. And we, we talked about dealing with loss. And when it came time to pay for dinner, I said, I insist that I pay. And he says, no, 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 I'm gonna pay my, my share. And I go, no. And I said, remember when we did that shooting class and the gun instructor gave you a rifle and he just gave it to you because he liked you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, that's grace. And now I'm gonna show you grace. And uh, God wants to show us grace. And if you ask, he'll give you grace to get through this time about your friend and he'll show you grace for all of your life through Christ. Well, after Yellowstone, it's on to the Grand Tetons. That's a, a, a chapel there at the Grand Tetons. And inside the chapel, I just laid my Bible open and I just read Psalms to the Lord, praising him for his majesty. And at this point in the sabbatical, I'm feeling full, I'm feeling uh, Rested, I'm refreshed, I'm, I'm ready for ministry. And when I said that to my sabbatical coach, JR, he says, well, great, everyone says that after the first month. You still have sabbatical to go. And so I'm making my way to Salt Lake City when Nancy tells me that her father has died. And so, you know, just hightail it back to Wichita and did a memorial service for my father-in-law. We had lots of family in the house. But uh, we were really blessed by the Eastminster family during that time. A lot of you expressed your condolences and your love and, and Nancy still keeps the stack of cards in a prominent place in our home just to remind us of the love of our Eastminster family. 
And it was a sweet time for me as well. I loved to minister, even during tough times. And so um, I felt like I ministered to my wife and to her family. Well, after a few more days in Wichita to wrap things up, it was on to California and I got there on the last day of the baseball season, so we were able to do an angel game with the, oh, that's my reading list. So anyway, and along with uh, my reading list, I had different projects I was working on. I was studying the book of Isaiah. I'll begin a sermon series on that on January 22nd. I was uh, writing Holy Land devotions because I'll be leading a Holy Land trip soon. I was studying pastoral transitions and also I did a lot of reading and pastoral counseling. So that's us at an angel game. I had a little bit of sabbatical growth going on and went with my kids. And, you know, we've been going to angel games since the kids were babies. And so on this particular night, at this particular time, I'm actually holding the baby. And a foul ball comes up. And it's like, it's coming right at me. And so I don't have my hands free. And so I turn my back thinking, okay, I'll just have that ball hit me in the back so it doesn't hit the baby. And Josh, he just reached over and palmed the ball. And, and he's been waiting for a foul ball his entire life. So he got one that, that night. <coughs> we... Uh, Babysat the grandkids. We didn't know our grandkids very well, but we got to know them. And I attended my uh, 45-year high school reunion, and I walked into the room, and I thought, who are all these old people? And then I realized I'm one of them. Had a lot of study time in California. Nancy uh, works for a company in California, and so she worked, and I studied and read. And then... Um, um, I finished pretty much Isaiah and wrote the Holy Land devotions that week. So then after two weeks in California, we start heading back to Wichita, through Lake Havasu to visit some of Nancy's family. And then we visited my daughter, Hannah, who lives in Las Vegas. And then, uh, that's me and the baby. And we visited Zion National Park and did hiking. And then we hiked in Bryce Canyon. And then we visited the north rim of the Grand Canyon. And then also Santa Fe and Albuquerque. And then home in Wichita, where I again had some study time. But you know, we developed a rhythm as we drove. Nancy and I would listen to scripture in the morning and when we wanted to talk about what that scripture was, we would just pause the app and, and we would talk about it. And then she had to endure me listening to my reading list for about two or three hours. And then by the afternoon, I'd get a little tired and that meant it was time for me to sing. <laughs> I have a Spotify, I have a playlist of sacred classical music and she had to listen to me sing the Alleluia Chorus and Holy Art Thou and all these other tunes. I also have a 70s playlist and so she had to listen to me, you know, sing. You know, at the same time you were listening to Dante's Divine Comedy, we were on Purgatorio, and so my singing gave Nancy a chance to experience what Purgatory would be like. <laughs> oh, Antelope Canyon at Lake Powell is really cool if you ever get a chance to visit Lake Powell and, and that canyon. 
So then it's on to the World Reformed Fellowship in Orlando. There's brothers and sisters from Reformed churches throughout the world and you realize that this gospel is a global gospel and in most of the world, the church is persecuted. A lot of them had been to prison, they had been beaten up for their faith and just realize how blessed we are that we can worship the Lord in freedom. But they warned us that they can see how things are changing here and there will be uh, subtle types of persecution for us. After the World Reformed Fellowship, my son James is working a political campaign in Pennsylvania. It happened to be Reformation Sunday, and so at the church he was attending, he was uh, called on to be the liturgist and the scripture reader, and since they have bagpipes and everything on their Reformation Sunday, James uh, read scripture and was a liturgist doing it in his kilt but it was fun to be with him. And then after that, I'm back home for a while. Uh, After a week or so in in Wichita again, I I go to a a pastoral counseling seminar in Denver. Uh, Nancy's brother lives there, so Nancy got to spend time with him while I went to the conference. And then on to California, we babysat grandkids, connected with family, and really had good one-on-one conversations with my kids. I attended the Chiefs and Chargers game at SoFi Stadium. And, um, you know, you're in enemy territory when you're there. So I'm in the stadium. I'm getting concessions with Gabby. She has on her Chargers regalia. I have on my my Chiefs stuff. And this guy comes up to me. He's about 6'4", 6'5", you know, maybe 300 pounds. I come up to like hear on him and he goes, are you a Chiefs fan? I go, yes. And then he looks at Gabby who's in her Chargers regalia and she goes, is that your daughter? And I go, yes. And he goes, lucky for you. And so, uh, (laughs) but the great thing about that game is that the Chargers came back and won it and like, ooh, I'm cheering, you know, and all the Charger fans are like this. After the game, I took off my hat, covered up my shirt with a sweatshirt because I didn't want to get stabbed in LA. (laughs) Had Thanksgiving with the family, and we don't have Thanksgiving as a family, you know, since we really moved to Wichita. But I baptized my grandson at my former church, Covenant Presbyterian, it's an EPC church. And uh, my son Josh is an elder there, so that was a, a privilege to baptize my grandson. And then the next day, Nancy flew home to Wichita, James flew back to Pennsylvania, and I flew to Columbia. And my mom's Colombian, and I rendezvoused with my mom there, and we visited her hometown and, and the places that sh- her family had lived and where they first came from Spain and and immigrated to Colombia, and so that was a good time. That's my mom, and that's the Colombian uh, countryside. And um, so my mom was really happy I was there, and, and we had a good time. And uh, in the midst of that trip, I took like this little excursion to another town, and um, I did paragliding there. That was fun, river rafting. You know, it's kind of like a parachute. There's like a parachute above you, and then you have a pilot behind you, but there's like this gradual downhill, and they tell you, 
Kore, kore, kore means run, run, run. So you just start running on down this gradual hill, and then the, the hill, the gradual hill ends, and a cliff starts, and whew, you just kind of go, and then, but then you're flying, and uh, flew for about half an hour over this canyon, which is actually the deepest canyon in the world. You need to know where you're going after you die to do something like that. I stayed at a hostel while I was in that town, and the cool thing about that is that you get to meet people from around the world. I met this uh, young man from Singapore, his name is Ruben, and Ruben um, asked me that morning at breakfast, because you all eat breakfast together, if I wanted to go out to dinner with him that night, and I said, sure. And in the middle of that day, my cousin had texted me and said, if you're in Colombia, uh, there's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception that we celebrate tonight, and every plaza in the city will have that celebration. So I told Reuben, hey, let's uh, eat dinner at the plaza, and we'll go to this, see what they do to f celebrate the feast. And, and so um, I asked Reuben, because I thought, this is an opportunity for the gospel. I asked him, do you know what the... Immaculate Conception is, and, and actually, it's the conception of Mary. But I talked about how Jesus was also immaculately conceived, and he was born sinless and lived a sinless life so he could sacrifice for us, and he could sacrifice himself on the cross for our sins, and he was raised again from the dead. And he goes, you know, I'm familiar with Christianity because I went to Anglican schools. And then he asked, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a... Presbyterian pastor. And he says, well, my wife, my, my, my girlfriend is a Presbyterian. And she's been inviting me to church and I haven't gone, but now that I've met you, I'm gonna go to church with her. And then she gave me these books by Tim Keller. Have you heard of him? Case for Christ, Case for Faith. And I go, yes, yes, I've read him, he's a good author. He goes, well, she's given me these books and now that I've met you, I'm gonna read those books. So it was a way to, to just share the gospel. And really throughout Columbia, as I met with cousins, I was able to talk about faith. I learned that one of my cousins, I had not seen her in 16 years, she had since come to faith. You know, Columbia was 1% evangelical 30 years ago. Now it's about 25% evangelical. And so the gospel is really growing there. So my last night, I'm in Bogota, I've flown in from a domestic city, but my flight doesn't leave for another seven hours. I can't check in for the flight for another three hours. There's really no place to sit if you haven't gone through security. And so I thought I'm gonna go into the city and I went to the main square in Bogota. And I'm sitting in a restaurant, it's a table for four. I'm sitting there by myself and the restaurant is crowded and a group of about 15 to 20 indigenous people walk in. You can kind of tell that they call the Indians there indigenous, indigenous. And so um, after about 10 minutes of just watching them stand around, I said, do you want to sit down with me? And they go, no, 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 we'll wait. But then after about 10 minutes, they said, can we sit down at your table? Because they're still waiting. And I said, sure. So they tell me about life in the Amazon and we have a great conversation at the end of dinner. I, I paid for their dinner. And, um, and then they said, why did you do this? Why did you invite us to this table? 
and then pay for our meal? And I said, because Christ invites us to his table so that he can show us grace. And then it was uh, back to, to the States. Now, as I reflect on sabbatical, I found myself having spiritual conversations on every leg of the trip. And if you're looking for opportunity to talk to people about the Lord, the Lord will bring them to you. But I had to get out of my Christian bubble in order to, to do that. And I also had to just be looking for opportunities to just share faith in a natural way. I found out that I recovered part of my personality while on sabbatical. I realized, you know what? You used to be fun and adventurous and outgoing. And I felt like, hmm, part of that personality had maybe not blossomed in the last few years. The time confirmed to me that I love ministry, I like doing it, I plan on doing it the rest of my life in one way or another. And what did I learn? Well, the Lord taught me that he's always speaking through his word, through circumstances, through other people, even through the creation. The Lord is always trying to communicate to us. And if we go through life looking for the Lord, we will see him and we will hear him. The hard part is doing what the Lord has spoken to you. Uh, the Lord gave me a lot of insights in scripture that's gonna show up in uh, future sermons. But towards the end of my sabbatical, I'm thinking, all right, we've told the congregation this is a time of listening and Lord, I, I wanna hear a final word from you. I wanna hear a final word from you. And I started to bug the Lord about it. And finally, I felt like the Lord said to me, I've already told you what is good and what I want from you. It's to do justly to love mercy and walk humbly with me. Now that comes from the book of Micah. And during Micah's time, he's prophesying to uh, the northern kingdom, Israel. He's prophesying to the southern kingdom of Judah, but all of them are kind of stuck doing the same things that are not pleasing to God. It talks about businessmen using unfair balances. Well, that's crooked business. He talks about people who have it all not sharing what they have with the poor and that the poor are actually oppressed and that they can't get just verdicts in the courts like people with money can. And so, uh, and then their religion, they still sacrifice to Yahweh, but they've mixed all kind of cultural stuff with their worship. And so God speaks to them this message. I've told you what I require of you. Do justly. Now justly is not just being a person of integrity, but justice in a biblical sense cares not only for your own personal behavior, not only for your own personal well-being, but justice looks out for the well-being of the entire people you live among. And one of the things that God's been teaching me you know, I always thought, well, my sanctification meant be a man of integrity, be a man of purity, try to practice personal holiness. But God's telling me that my righteousness also includes having a heart for the people I live around and having a 
heart for the oppressed. Then we're to love mercy. That word mercy is chesed in the Hebrew. It means loving kindness. And yeah, 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 I'm supposed to be loving, but God says, love it. Love showing mercy. We are to love it because he loves to show mercy. And so wherever we are, whether at home, at work, out in the world, let's show mercy and kindness to each other. And then walk humbly with your God. I realized as I was sharing the gospel with these people on sabbatical that um, I didn't do it, do it so much in Wichita because I was afraid of what people would think. But that fear of man is actually pride. And so uh, the Lord was stripping away uh, layers of pride I didn't even know were there. The Lord um, brought that verse to mind as I was just before I, I had finished the last book I was reading on sabbatical, it was a biography by, biography of John Adams. And in a, a last letter that he wrote to his son, John Quincy, he said, as I reflect at the end of my life, I can sum up life's purpose as this, to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. If we can do that, it is enough. And that verse has become a prayer for myself. Now, as I recount to you my sabbatical, let me go back to Orlando when I was at the World Reformed Fellowship. I had dinner that one night with Dean Weaver, the head of our denomination, and he asked me when I was going to retire. He asked me as a brother because I'm in a group of 30 pastors who pastor larger churches and we just talk about everything in our lives. And um, I didn't have a date in mind, but I had a range. And he said, you know, that range is within the time when you have to start talking to your elders about transition. And so I shared with them my range, and we have mutually agreed that I will retire on January 15th, 2024. I'll be 65 in December, Financially, I can retire. December will mark the 10th anniversary of when I candidated for you as your pastor. And uh, we have a congregational meeting already scheduled on February 19th. And we hopefully will bring to you uh, the pulpit search committee at that meeting. The good thing is I get to spend an entire year with you. And so I want us to relish this year, to relish every communion, every baptism. I want to savor my last Holy Week, my last Christmas. Nancy and I do not plan on leaving Wichita after retirement. We have come to love this community and Wichita is our home. Sabbatical confirmed that to us. And if you ask, what am I going to do after I retire? Well, I'll do what scripture told me to do. I'll preach the gospel. I'll heal the sick 
I'm gonna cast out some demons. I love the church. I care about your future. I plan on being the instrument of the Lord in a smooth transition. And in by last year, let us all gather and focus our energies on those things that matter most. Bringing people to Jesus and discipling them to walk with him. Now remember I went, remember I told you I went to the Chiefs and the Chargers game? They were behind 27 to 23 with less than two minutes left in the game. But Patrick Mahomes took the, char- took the Chiefs down the field and uh, secured the win. He knew it was his final drive and he took the team down for a win, but he didn't do it alone. His offensive line blocked for him. His receivers caught the ball when it was thrown to them and the Chiefs did have to hold the Chargers scoreless for the last 30 seconds. He needed the team to secure the win. This is my last drive. But I intend to win. And here's what a win looks like means we're actually bringing people to Jesus because we have shared with them the good news and we've been kind to them. It means that we've grown in our faith like we never have because we are intentionally investing and growing in Christ's likeness and a deeper relationship with him. It means that let's impact the world and the city with the gospel like we never have before. And a win is securing a future pastor for you that will lead you into the future. I'll take us down the field, but I need my team to do it. Will you join me in that? Let's make this year our best year yet. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you've shown mercy to us. And so we set our hearts on doing justly. I pray, Lord, that you give us a heart to love showing mercy and love to others. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of humility, not only before you, but before each other. I already begin to pray for the search for a new pastor. I pray that you would raise one up that would be a blessing to this church, and that you would make that person um, clearly evident to the search committee and to the congregation. And I pray, Lord, for an anointing of your spirit on this church and on me as I lead it during this last season. So, Lord, do this for us because you are merciful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.